1: It's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello everyone. So we awaken again after a weekend of slumber, enjoying the temporary immunity from Red Arrows during the international snooze break. But we're here and back to look ahead to the Premier League's return for its next block of four matches in a more zoomed in pod after last week zooming out to look at the season as a whole thus far. Let's go then. I'm Tom. I'm here with a beer, yay, and I'm joined by Sam as always. You all right. I saw you were enjoying the gridiron the other day. Are you migrating to another form of fantasy football by any chance?
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'm all good, thanks. No, I'm not. I'm not moving away from FPL, um, but found myself at a bit of a loss and uh, me and uh, a good friend of mine go to the American Football once a year at either Wembley or um, the new Tottenham Stadium. So that was the first ever time I've been to the new Spurs Stadium. Absolutely blockbuster, I have to say. I was really, really impressed. And it was a good game as well. So nice to try out a little, like, another sport for a while whilst uh, Mm, FPL's taking a break. But, yeah, I'm definitely glad that I'm getting back into the proper football now and back into FPL thinking ahead of Game Week 9. So, as always, um, we are Who Got The Assist. The, I think this is the penultimate time I'll be saying this, so do have uh, your notepads at the mm-hmm. ready. The mini-league code, whilst it's still open, is M-I-N-L-U-D. I think we're going to close that in Game Week 10, so do get involved in that quickly. On today's pod, we're going to be uh, looking at Contemplate again after it took a very brief break last week, because we've been splitting up the two episodes. Um, This time, we're going to zero in on the man of the moment. Everyone's talking about whether Mo Salah is essential. We don't really like that word, but we're going to play it out that way and uh, map out some of the data. Tom has done a really good job of Looking over a few of the past season statistics, and we've got some interesting findings to chat about. There, Um, we're also going to have an update on the bold claims ahead of game week nine, and as always, we're going to take on quite a few of the listener questions. We also had some from last week as well, so it's going to be quite a blockbuster Q and A at the end. Um, It's October the sixteenth. No football to report over the weekend, as we are on the international break. So hopefully, you're all enjoying yourselves, but. Use this as a marker to get back into FPL for game week nine.
1: Yeah, no, no big injuries or anything like that. I've seen as well at the moment, so that that's always good. I think the the only one I'm really keeping an eye on is Alvarez, who's playing mm. in Uruguay. I think on Wednesday morning about three a.m. Um, so another one to keep an eye on. Obviously clinging on to the fact that after last international break, played in the the Paz, I think it was in Bolivia, and came back and played the full ninety versus West Ham. But you know, there are yeah. loads of players who were unfit then who are now fit so that'll be one which is a bit uh, a bit um yeah no, monitoring it closely uh right uh so i think we should probably just um for those who did miss last week if you do want to go back and listen again it does kind of stand alone a little bit nothing really has changed uh, from that pod Um mm. just to give a quick update of uh last week um how we did um very quickly um you had a very good wild card didn't you uh, a very good sort of a uh, first week bounce i suppose
0: yeah, 65 points bolstered by captaining Salah, obviously the man that we're going to be talking about a lot this week. Um, 30 points from him, 65 overall and half my rank. So I'm just sat outside the top million now. Um, my full wild card, of 15 is on screen. I won't go through all of it again for anyone that was listening last week. Um, we talked about it at length last week anyway. So like Tom said, go back and uh, listen to that if you want the, the detailed analysis of the week. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, overall, really happy.
1: Yeah, perfect. And uh, me, similarly too, uh, 64 months for last week, uh, up to 474k, exactly, 0 Um Kulisevsky came in for me, um, as did, I can't remember who else came in, actually. Yeah, Matt Cash. Um, Kulisevsky obviously banked, uh, blanked, but it's his last week for me this week against Fulham. So hopefully I'll get something out of him. And um, yeah, um, up uh, more than half my rank as well. Um, and hoping uh, that that continues over the next block of four fixtures. Right. Salah essential or not I, I think there's actually one question which is inextricably linked to this and I think we mm. should give it at least some mention Sam before we dive into the main man Mo um, and that's the the, the no Haaland question I, I think that you know there's obviously analytical model related angles that we could delve into here and um, mm. but I think the, the the only kind of thing that I've really seen about Haaland and I, I for me I'm I'm not um, I never contemplated moving my wild card. I know that was the same for you. There was just we neither of us really thought about doing that. Um, there was only one sort of interesting thing I found on um, FB ref uh, the other day, which is it's just, just a monitor. I'm not obviously condemning Haaland to rubbishness or anything like that. Um, but over the last kind of few years, something that's really interesting to keep an eye on, obviously I know we're only eight games in, um, but he's overperformed his uh, goals of minus XG a lot in the past, so Sons style effectively. So first year at Dortmund, plus 4.2, second year at Dortmund, 3.5, and the uh, last year at Dortmund, 4.1. And last year, um, 7.6 goals more than is actually suggested, whereas this year he's actually only on plus 0.1. So there's a, a potential uh, thing to keep an eye on going forward that maybe he's going through a bit of a cold spell after a very prolonged hot streak. And it may well be that, you know, changes in the City team, their lineup. up you know, Kevin De Bruyne are injured and Alvarez playing a bit more. And I think he's not taking like loads of shots or anything like that. I think he's kind of in 30th or something like that overall for shots. So it's not like he's taking the chances off Haaland, but he's not quite De Bruyne. Um, so maybe that's just something that may spur people on if you are in the no Haaland camp for a little while. I mean... He's still my captain this week. Let's make an event about it. I'm not disparaging Holland at any point. I just, you know, is there something there with that, Sam? Some is just monitor, I know, but. Something to keep an eye on, perhaps, given how it's performed this year?
0: Yeah, it's one to look at. And I think the reason a lot of people are looking at it right now is because of the perceived less than positive fixtures to come. But in my mind, we've spoken about it on the pods. Anyway, and I still think the fixtures over the next five or six are plenty good enough for Harlan to be getting enough returns to va- to be v- good value for money for me. And I'm still captaining him. It will coming to the captaincy matrix later on in the show, by the way. But he's still going to be in the consideration for captaincy in three of the next six or seven weeks at least. So. I'm personally not brave enough to go without him. I've seen, obviously, a lot of teams on X at the moment that have got a structure without Haaland, and it looks like the perfect 15 until you remember no Haaland. And I think it's whether or not you think that all of those little upgrades you can make across different positions are going to combat the fact that you're going without someone who is going to be one of the top point scorers over the next seven or eight game weeks. I don't think I don't think anyone going without Haaland is disagreeing with that um theory i think everyone knows he's going to score a lot of points it's just whether or not you can combat that with the money you save by going for alvarez for example and maneuvering money elsewhere the other argument is obviously if you've got money elsewhere it's quite hard to get back to him in a couple of moves if you've spread that money around to Trippier, to another seven million midfielder to another seven million uh, attacker then you it's at least three moves to get back to him so For me, I don't want to do it. I'm quite a risk-averse manager, and I think early on in the season, it's too punty for me to to go down that route. But I understand the logic, and I can see why people like the look of a of a team without him in it. It does certainly look absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's just you're missing that big steak dinner in the middle, whereas you've got all of the perfect sides next to it. Um, And I want that steak dinner. I want Harlan. So yeah, not for me, but I can understand it.
1: Are you basically accusing the no hauling camp of being vegans? (laughs) Yeah, maybe. I'm I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that either. So yeah, fair enough. I'm I'm mostly vegan, but I'm still keeping the uh, uh, the steak dinner. Admittedly, it's probably made of synthetic meat rather than actual meat. But hey, there you go. I mean, yeah, I completely (laughs) agree with you. And I think it'll be just interesting to see how it turns out. Obviously, last week, a big W for you no-hauling know, lot. It's just the the Bryson game and the upcoming fixtures. I mean, yeah, I mean they are quote unquote bad. But it really yeah. feels like quote unquote. You know, it's not. It's Man City. They're all. The game they are the bad fixture Um mm. Brighton game. I, I did notice last week that someone did correct me uh, because I did say that um, Holland did well against United um, at Old Trafford. He didn't, it was at home, <laughs> but yeah, know, that, still still yeah. got them on, on game week 10 at uh, Bournemouth mm. in 11, um, Chelsea in 12, Liverpool in 13, Spurs in 14 and Villa in 15. None of them are especially great games apart from the Bournemouth game. However, um, I, I don't know. I, I think that the, We'll have to see how many of those games and we'll come on to it in a bit, are kind of standout captaincies for other players and also if you have the cones basically to go without Holland. Because I think this the week just gone was a week where there was a huge case to to Zag. And it we mm. we both obviously profited and some captains were slightly unlucky not to follow suit. If that's going to happen again going forward, I think it's going to be a slightly more considered decision. Um, Slightly, at least. Um, But, I mean, it it is definitely one that we'll have to monitor going forward. But, yeah, just to give voice to that, because um, moving on to contemplate this week, is Salah essential? Now, obviously, no is the answer, because no player is essential, blah, 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 even though we're both kind of first saying that Holland probably might be to some extent for us. Uh, But no player is essential. You can play after however you want. Uh, We've been talking about Salah, actually, since 2017, (laughs) <laughs> like you know i just a cursory look at um salah in the just searching through my the, the pod history and pod titles uh pod 14 of wca in 2017 was can salah wait and all about how Salah's doing and um, uh, pod 65 in march 2019 and um, we were wondering whether you could go without most Salah. and in the another one i mean game week uh game week uh well season five episode 11 and we were wondering if we should just captain salah all the way up until afcon which happened in the 2021 2022 season sam Uh, so yeah shock horror that one if you're on youtube you can see the table is already in front of you Mm -hmm. Uh, the reason we're answering this um, is a question that we got last week and obviously just kind of a read on the, the meta uh, I suppose at the moment but Goops asked with the upcoming fixture swing is there still a case at all for a no Mo with him it gets tricky to get to, to get to others such as the Arsenal mids uh, potentially Watkins, Isaac, Darwin, Bryson etc so can he be covered by others going forward as the fixture swing We can break that into two parts is there a case uh, let's have a look at Salah first and then kind of you know, the wider sort of holistic understanding of what Salah basically blocks you from doing overall i think there's there's three probable viewpoints here to look through sam it's the own mo so we both own mo don't own it can get too easy so maybe you've been planning to make this move for this week and there's don't own and can't get there easily so i you need a hit to get there proper surgery and there's going to be some who say he's too expensive i'm not i'm not touching it of course but i think those three are you know Broadly, the three camps Um, and the fixtures in isolation, just worth mentioning at the moment. Uh, Everton, Nottingham Forest, Luton, so really good next three. Uh, Brentford, Man City and Fulham, Sheffield United and Crystal Palace over the next seven or eight. So really alluring, isn't it, at the moment? And uh, He was a real sort of um, an impetus for you to wildcard, wasn't he? Like just one of those players that I guess was locked in very early and everything else sort of worked out around him for you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think when I built my game week one draft, I knew my wild card would probably be up my sleeve waiting for when I considered Salah to be at the point where I needed to make a move for him, ideally before other people all flocked to him. And luckily that did kind of all result in the perfect storm last week where I had a hunch I really fancied that Brighton game for Salah with a stupid out as well. I, I really fancied him for that fixture. And I was confident enough that I thought captaining him would be a better idea than even going with Son, for instance. Now, obviously, Son owners very, very unlucky. Well, captainers rather very unlucky not to get anything from that. So you could argue that that was just a 50-50 call. But the reason I wanted to wildcard in the first place was because I was on a one premium setup and I was really spreading the funds around my side to make sure that I was getting every last drip of that value. Whereas if I wanted to get to Salah, I was definitely three moves away from doing it and still feeling like I had a well enough balanced side. So I knew that it would just be a wild card decision for me. And then it just came down to when do I want to wildcard? I, I fancy Salah from game week eight and I think from now moving forwards all the way to game week 16 or 17 I think it's 16 um he's got a great run of fixtures so from a meta point of view from a wild card structure point of view he was the first name well second name after Haaland on the team sheet and uh yeah there was no way I was going without him on my wild
1: card yep yeah, all the way to AFCON basically um I think is, is kind of yeah. where, where we both are you know, with Salah so First thing uh, to do was to look into the past. So, how has he performed previously by game week eight? Um, and is the seasoning different really Um, obviously I know it's small sample size it's just for fun and um, I, also to note that last year obviously we're going from game week one to game week nine because we lost the game week uh, in game week six and mm. um, so um, a short really explainer of all this um, I did look at kind of Salah in terms of his points where he was ranking overall by game week eight the goals he'd scored his non-pen XGI and Liverpool's XG as well throughout this period and also kind of a, I did like a really really basic fixture rating I mean, I I've got a full-time job um, and that was just kind of looking over the first eight fixtures and um, arbitrarily assigning them one, two or three. One for easy, three, to hard, three for hard and seeing kind of how that sort of was translated. I think the key thing to zero in for me on Sam is the non-pen XGI and Liverpool's XG um, over the course of the last five seasons by game week eight. Every single time, uh, Salah's in the top five uh, for non pen XGI by this point. And every single time, Liverpool are also in the top five uh, for Team XG by this point. And I don't know whether <laughs> kind of, uh, who's the horse and who's the car, um, but just, just the consistency, I think, is is what kind of leaps out at me from this. It's simply outstanding. Um, despite sometimes the fixtures being a little bit more difficult, so in 2021, uh, some of the fixtures that they kind of faced early doors were a little bit more difficult. Uh, they had Arsenal, uh, Man City, um, and uh, Chelsea, uh, who were then uh, a, a more difficult kind of proposition um, early on, um, and even then, um, Mo was doing incredibly well. a uh, top for he was a kind of fifth for non uh, for non pen xgi, so that's the lowest rank he's got so far. Uh, but he scores, still had scored the most goals that he'd ever scored over the first eight game weeks. So for me, the pitch that emerges, I guess, is that ridiculous consistency, and it kind of makes me feel like he's potentially that sort of you know the Harry Kane figure of this season where many will say too expensive, but he is trustworthily consistent. And that in itself may mean that he's worth paying the premium, especially because he's the one who's got the durability and seems to just be locked into that Liverpool team. Is that what sort of stood out for you from this or did you take anything else from it? Yeah,
0: I think the other thing I I take from this sheet in particular is even even though you mentioned that Liverpool always in the top five for XG, there's only one blip there and that was last season. All of the others, they're top two. So it's usually them or Man City. And the way Liverpool set up obviously favours Salah for returns anyway. So it's quite easy to bank on that XG to just continue. We'll get over to the next sheet in a second, but it doesn't really drop off. Like this guy is still going to get those chances. I think there was a narrative at the start of the season over the first few game weeks that Salah was maybe becoming a bit more of a creator. And I think there's certainly an argument for that, especially with Darwin starting to get increased minutes in the team. But I don't think that really hampers him too badly. I've mentioned before that his bonus... Um, is going to start creeping up more quickly when he's one. also creating the big chances too. Mm. So he'll have that string to his bow, whereas in the past, he probably needed two returns to start getting any significant bonus in matches because he was missing so many big chances because he was on the end of them. That's kind of reversed a little bit now and he's creating more. And that's not really that much to the detriment of the goals and the xg he's also getting so far yeah. as well um he's still gotten three non-penalty goals so far this season for context for anyone that's not um watching on youtube that's more than last season and equal with 2019-20 um only bettered by 21 uh 2021 where he got four in the opening eight and 21-22 where he got off to an absolute stormer that was an outlier he got 83 points in his first eight weeks First in the rankings at that point, obviously, and six non-penalty goals at that point, which is just absolutely ridiculous. So if we kind of put that one to the side, he's very much in the pack with all of the other seasons that we're kind of seeing those regular returns dripping through for Salah. So I don't think he's falling off in any way when it comes to the goals and the assists and the uh, chance creation is maybe slightly creeping up. So maybe that's something we want to consider when... uh, picking him i think the only other thing is in the past he was the main man in Mm, fpl whereas now we've got one other very significant very very expensive man that most of us until this point have been happy to captain every single week pretty much that's why maybe salah has become that harry kane figure that i think you were mentioning he's kind of the the second favorite now um but with the fixtures to come he could maybe creep back into that conversation as one of uh if not the favorite fpl asset and yeah for me it's quite difficult to go without on that on that yeah. logic
1: and if you're a no a no hauling person then i i think that you're feasibly especially with next free putting all your eggs in the salad basket yeah and um, th- there's no other way of kind of um of looking at that well maybe there are maybe there are a few kind of other individuals you'll be going with and um, but I, I i agree with you completely it's it that that kind of um outstanding sort of uh, him being an outstanding pick is something that hasn't really changed uh, throughout his time uh, in the Premier League and I think that's not even, you know, even um, a couple of years ago, last year when he started off very poorly, his non-pen was still good, so even though he went for a cold patch um, in terms of actual kind of end product he was still putting up numbers. And yes, yeah. I know you've got, you've, you've got that kind of creative side of him now. I think he's outside of the top 10. And um, I think he was kind of 15th, 16th, something like that for a non pen XG. And, um, but you have still got kind of that meaning that, you know, back in the day, he used to be bonus phobe. You, know, you always kind of saw that, that he, lose so many bonus points uh, or bPS because he was missing a sh- mm. sh- a shot a shot sort of shot off target mischance things like that I think a shots off target which actually gives you a minus one um, but he's doing less of that now um, and he is kind of routinely getting in the bonus if he does return and the idea is hopefully that chance creation plus him retaining the penalties does mean that kind of things even out a little bit because he's still as you said keeping the goals up um, which is which is still good to see and um, even mm. though you know, penalties are being relied upon a little bit so what do we do next well we looked over the next six um the next six weeks so that's nine till 14 or 10 to 15 last year um, when we lost uh, lost the game and um, and we did it um just to kind of avoid the afcon cutoff. i couldn't quite remember when that was so i just kind of did it over the six weeks to try to not uh try to be safe and uh, really um you know, the picture that emerges is one which is, is a bit more different. Um, so 2019-20, 2020 20, uh, Liverpool it seems did kind of have a bit of a fall-off and Salah's uh, non-pen numbers did fall off in tandem too. Um, I cannot for life remember exactly why that happened because it happened a no, long I... time ago, to be fair. and um, did have a look at some of the some of the fixtures that he did face back then um, in twenty one twenty two, 22 and they did stiffen. Um, so 2019-20, even though they won all the games, I think they, maybe they did change a little bit. They had um, Man United, Spurs and Man. City and in 2020 2021, uh, they had Leicester, Fulham, Spurs. I mean, the fixtures aren't that bad on paper but something really changed with Salah at that time. The last couple of seasons though uh, regardless of the fact that the fixtures were you know, all right fairly middling and he did manage to keep it up and uh, was second for non uh, uh two years ago and last year uh, was first by this point too and um, so I, I think really all this shows is that he's just elite basically and he'll yeah. always be a good bet to own. Um, I've regardless um because he still returns, still does stuff. Um, and if he's not doing stuff like it back in nineteen, uh, 19, 20, 20, 20, 20, 19 20, then maybe it's a case to kind of not go with it. And I guess if you're no salary, that's what you're you're aiming for. But I mentioned 2020 twenty one when his uh, non pen XGI wasn't really anywhere. I think he was thirty fifth overall, he was still top for points scored because he was having a hot streak. You know, yeah. and, and that's kind of something that's again worth mentioning.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it is really interesting to see that drop off in 2019, 2020. I, I think if my memory serves me right, was that around the same sort of time that Sadio Mane went on a really mad streak and maybe it kind of switched for a little bit and Mane became the it thing for a few weeks? I think that might have been the season of it was either the season before or that season where the triple captaincy chip got used on, on Mane in the second half. So I think there was logic behind that, that he'd been on a bit of a hot streak at some point. I'll have to double check that. But yeah, last two seasons are probably the more reliable data points that we go off of at this point. And the non-penalty XGI second and first from now on basically just means that we can rely on this guy. He's going to keep scoring points as long as he doesn't get injured. And he never seems to, Um, he'll get 90 minutes. He's on penalties. Fundamentally, he's just, he's a great asset to have
1: cool so i think that's really the extent of this i don't think it's worth diving into it any further really um and i don't think it's um you know something that's worth kind of mention uh, kind of uh, beating around the bush on too far uh, simply elite asset you know what you're getting you're paying a bit more for him and um, but you are kind of getting this continuation of a near guarantee of points every week that slow drip of consistency as well as that nature of explosiveness too um but to draw the harry kane kind of um comparison a little bit so far this season with all of the changes that you mentioned sam in terms of how he's playing with the players that he's playing with we haven't um perhaps seen the massive explosion until last week of a, of a haul above 10 points is that going to continue mm-hmm. well we're hoping so but when you don't have salah um, and to move to that so the pro that was the kind of the pro plate, i suppose part of it mm-hmm. the contemplate is what happens if you don't go with Salah? i mean are you kind of in the mud well there was definitely this idea but last week was the one week where he was perhaps needed and um, to some extent um, obviously there was the brighton game and in terms of the the captains on the table i think most people did go for Son, um but you had hauling against uh, against arsenal of course Um, but this the Salah versus brighton that was kind of the real sort of I guess, attack point that a few of us did take. And he did score a pen, to be fair. And there may be people who may think, you know, he's too expensive. Why own if I don't captain? As Goop says, um, it said in the original question, you can end up in a situation where you have no mo, but you have Saka and Watkins, who also have great runs from 10. And there's loads potential caps and covers too. I mean, there's loads of people out there, Sam, aren't there, who you feasibly can't fit in mm. if you have Salah. And I think that's, uh, if you watch on YouTube, this table sort of shows it.
0: Yeah, so I think with anyone with Salah and Haaland in their drafts, obviously we've already visited the Haaland question a little bit anyway. So on the assumption you do have Haaland, having that second premium in in Mo Salah at this point probably means you're compromising with a couple of those mid-price midfielders, strikers, or even with a Trippier in defence. You can only have a combination of them. You can't have them all. Whereas if you go without Salah, you can probably get all of the other ones but you're sacrificing Salah. So what we've got here in front of us is a matrix of all of the fixtures for some of those most, uh, I guess, captainable picks over the next few. And then obviously included within that are some of the 8 million mids and strikers as well. So... From left to right, we've got Salah, Haaland, Watkins, uh, Arsenal assets just generally, Son and Madison, so the Spurs fixtures, and Man United as well, which are a late inclusion to this, but they do have very good fixtures, and I think maybe we're forgetting about them a little bit at the moment because they've not been at it, but they do still have Bruno and Rashford, who on their day can be fantastic captaincy picks if they get going. So I think it's worth noting, and certainly people on wildcards around roundabout now or... Uh, game week 10 as well, will be considering those assets too. So I think it's important to include them. But as you can see here, starting off with Salah on the left, there is a sea of green all the way down from now until game week 16. The green fixtures are our own interpretation of what you would probably think is one of the better captaincy choices in any given game week. And Salah from now until 16, I think, all bar that game week 13 where City and Liverpool go up against each other he's probably in the hunt for being uh, a popular armband call
1: so yeah I don't know what what are your thoughts on this from uh, a bird's eye point of view to start off Tom well I think what's really interesting is that even though Salah's got really good fixtures up until game week 16 if Mm. you do go without him and say you go Haaland Watkins and Arsenal mid Son Son of Madison and indeed Man United you are quote unquote covered every week for the good fixture. So game week nine, Everton, if you don't have Salah, you've got Hawland versus Brighton, and you've probably got some son or the- Madison against Fulham. And if you still own Bruno or Rashford, you've got Sheffield United away. Game week ten, Forrest at home, but if Watkins got Luton at home, Arsenal have got Sheffield United at home, Son and Madison have got Crystal Palace away, maybe a bit more of a a bit more of a difficult fixture, but you know it's still you've you've got the option there. Game week eleven, Luton away for Salah. haaland has got Bor- uh, Bournemouth at home. Watkins got in the Forest away. Uh, Man Knight again. If you still own them, <laughs> Fulham away. Game week twelve, Brentford at home for Salah. Could be tricky. Could be good depending on how Brentford are doing. Which one shows up? Watkins, the Arsenal players, Son, and Madison, Man Knight all have good fixtures that week. Game week thirteen just looks like a bit of a stinker all round. To be honest, mm. so these are all kind of teams that we're going to be looking to investing in. Liverpool and Man City play each other. Uh, Watkins. And uh Son and Madison play each other, Arsenal, Brentford away, which again could be an okay game, but you know, you never yeah. know. United have got Everton away. But I mean, are we really going on Man United assets? Then 14, 15, 16. Again, good fixtures uh for, for Mo. Uh, but again, you can cover with likes of Watkins, Arsenal players, and the Man united So you, you're always sort of covered. And in that week as well, uh, Man City are away to loosen. Um, so you're always sort of covered. So there is definitely an argument that. If you say, right, okay, the fear moment, the, the the time when I was really worried about not owning Mo was perhaps last week when he was a viable captain pick. All these other weeks, there are other players who you can have, especially if you're of the mindset that, hey, you know what, I'm gonna keep captain Holland or I'm gonna captain other players. Like the fixtures on paper look good enough that if I didn't own Salah and I was kind of trying to um absent myself from the FOMO. I'd look at this as a matrix of um, fixtures and think, actually, I think I'm probably going to be able to cover myself and basically let, have that flexibility, perhaps, to move players in and out as well to kind of enhance that cover. That's kind of where I would be. I mean, I, I still... Prefer owning Salah for this and missing out on one of the others. We'll come on to that in a second. And um, but I mean, that's kind of my take. I think that you know you can't have them all. And notably, Salah at his price means that you definitely can't have probably two of these. I'd say is that about right?
0: Yeah, I think if you've got Salah, you're probably sacrificing two of these. And the one that isn't on this sheet, that. A lot will be sacrificing is Kieran Trippier, for instance. And even though he's not a cap- maybe not a captainable option, it- he's still got some pretty decent fixtures at times in this period. So going without him is also a debate to be had. In my team, personally, I've got Salah, Harlan Watkins but no Arsenal at the moment. So I'll have to trade one of my Spurs players for Saka or Martinelli next week, you'd think. And then I've sacrificed, obviously, one of the Spurs players there. And I've got no room for a Man United asset at the moment. So even though right now that looks like a good bet, with the fixtures to come, it could be really worrying if they start performing well. I've got very little room for manoeuvre there to get across to them. And at all times, I will be sacrificing at least two from this sheet and plus trip here mm. as well. So that is a danger. That is a worry. Yeah, but I think, I think looking at each week in isolation, whilst there are other options in most in every week, even for captaincy, Salah, I would say is the, the standout captaincy definitely in 14 and 15. So I would say he's a better captaincy option than the arsenal assets at home to Wolves when he's at home to Fulham. And Watkins away at Bournemouth, off of penalties. I think it's a great player to have that week, but I don't know about captaincy over a home fixture against Fulham for Liverpool. I think that's probably there. And then 15 as well, Sheffield United away. Arsenal have got Luton, but at at Luton is going to be probably a low block game. And if Saka's not on penalties or he's sharing them around, I'd prefer Mm. the security of... Salah on penalty. So uh, those are just two examples. In uh, in other weeks, it's probably a little bit tighter for captaincy, and he's in the hunt, but not necessarily the standout option. But I think it's just that consistency of good fixtures all the way through that you expect him to average eight or nine points a week from now until game week 16. Even if you're not captaining him, the, the sacrifices that you make, I don't know, if having them in instead mm. of Salah is going to make up that difference. Um, so, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a tough one. I can see the argument for going without him, but I think he's going to be my captain or at least in the hunt often enough that I think it's probably still worth it for me.
1: I, I think for me, I, I'm still fairly sure I'll be probably leaving on hollands um, uh, well, I'll see how it goes. But the, the thing with Salah that I really like, and it, again, it applies to the whole sort of Kane comparator, is that idea of it being a high floor owning him. Mm. So, Kane last year and uh, in seasons past has always ticked over. He always got kind of a goal, or you got more likely a goal. But in latter days, when he became sort of the ten, and also the nine, you um, also got that chance for an assist every week. So yes he was very expensive but you paid for that consistency you paid for the fact that every week you had sort of you could count on five six seven points from that individual player um, and you know, maybe his explosiveness is um, going to be slightly blunted by the fact that you know, you've got the likes of darwin that, that needs to be fit into the team so things kind of slightly change but you're still going to have that little drip feed that comes through it week after week after week um, and especially you know we were saying a little while ago we talked about trust weren't we on the pod and kind of wondering um what players do we trust, and how do we trust them? And uh, we've got that pedigree of Salah. We know that he's kind of he can be explosive. We saw that kind of last week, uh, obviously supplemented by a penalty. Um, but we've got that. We've got that sort of consistency in what he offers in terms of returns, and that doesn't quite track with the new guard in terms of the likes of uh, Son, Son, and Madison, uh, Watkins, very. Um, uh, very consistent um, I think so far this season has he been kind of classically con- uh, consistent well sort of um, and good is coming for him the question then becomes is there a kind of a price value heuristic thing there do you look at Watkins and think always oh, eight million I'm not sure I'm going to captain him um, and I, I don't know with Mo I think it's um, one of those where you're paying for that sort of every week just that tacit reassurance that yeah i'm going to get kind of six seven points in this guy and there's near guarantee i'm going to get there and that's quite difficult to put a price on especially this year where a lot of us have struggled and a lot of us have found that it's difficult to kind of grasp the nettle when it comes to how fpl has gone i mean you mentioned kind of you know trippier earlier on so i think one kind of drawback of owning salah um i can just kind of relate to my situation because i've got salah Horland, son and trippier as i mentioned on why i was wildcarding all those weeks ago all those weeks ago two weeks ago you know what i mean (laughs) Um, and but that means that i've only really got one spot sam for an eight million ish player so yeah. I'm going to have to choose between uh, between Saka and Watkins next week. And um, it really does limit flexibility in owning Salad because by necessity, I've got Gordon in. Um, I've also got to kind of rely on um, a 6.5 million-ish midfielder um, who comes in for Kulishevsky so I can change Alvarez. Again, I've got to sell Alvarez to get to Watkins. Um, I, I could just kind of move over from uh kulisovsky to martinelli i don't think i can quite reach Saka actually Um but then you know, going about watkins for luton forest and fulham when the eo is going to get higher and higher that feels quite difficult especially because you know i backed him heavily in pre-season too shouldn't matter but for me it kind of you know it kind of does just because I, I really fancied him from the beginning uh to get mm. into 200 club so i kind of want to back that up but also i, I like south like Saka anyway and um, but yeah it's, it's one of those things just to show that you've got to make a few more choices with salah and having that money basically committed squirreled away now you've got is it 26.5 million yeah is that right on the holland and salah squirreled away it does diminish your flexibility it means you're kind of going to be doing what i'm almost definitely going to be doing and kind of peeing around with the 6.5 million midfielders week after week after week and and kind of just playing that kind of the, the midfield lottery game, uh, which is fine, but I think it does underline the fact that you lose that consistency of having an Arsenal player, or it means that you have to go without Watkins or something like that, and and that can be, uh, I guess, kind of one of the main drawbacks of not of going with Salah and not having that flexibility because that's that's just necessity, I suppose. I mean, do you think that four million or so really accounts for that lack of flexibility? I, I guess we're kind of in the in the point now where we've kind of made our beds and laid in it really because with the upcoming fixtures I think any kind of sale apart from if he's injured before game week 16 like we've basically we've, we've made our bed haven't we it's a butterfly effect from here on
0: yeah yeah it'll be us locked in on Salah probably for the foreseeable and that four million can go a long way there are things that you can do um like having a combination of trippier an extra eight million mid over over a 6.5 or having a a 343 starting to come back into fashion here and there as well so you might be able to even have a third striker and have a fifth midfielder like Cole palmer for instance rather than just burning the spot all together with a 4.3 so then you've got an eight strong attack where you can do some rotation over the next few weeks or if you've done really well on the budget you might even be able to stretch to an anthony gordon or pedro Neto um huang as well at 5.5 to 5.7 as that eighth attacker and then you've got loads and loads of rotation that you can really try and maximize the the starting 11 every single week but I I just keep coming back to the fact that if when you look at those fixtures, we know and we can trust Salah over so so many seasons of data. I've just got so much more confidence mm. in his, him and his returns over the next seven or eight compared to some of the other picks that I really like. I absolutely love the idea of having all of the above: Watkins, Arsenal mids, Tottenham mids, Man United mids, Trippier. All of that sounds fantastic but I've just got like one notch less confidence on each one of those. Right. Whereas Salah for me is your bank. Yes, you're you're spending that 4 million extra, but you're spending it on that reliability that you don't need to look elsewhere with that position. And you can just focus on tinkering with the other problems in your team each week. It's one fire that I know I'm not going to have to put out for ages unless he gets injured, which obviously can happen, but he's historically stayed fit through pretty much anything. so. Yeah, for me, it's a safety thing and a reliability thing, confidence in his returns over maybe slightly less confidence in some of the other assets. And you have to pick which ones I guess you have the least confidence in. I've picked going without Trippier, which I'm very scared of doing, but I think Mm -hmm. that's more coverable than going without Salah. And, and potentially moving other players elsewhere as well, obviously. Yeah. Um, but yeah, time will tell. There is going to be a strategy that pays off over the next eight or nine weeks. But I think the one that I've got the most confidence in is going with Mo Salah, because I know, like you say, that floor is high and I'm going to captain him in certain weeks anyway.
1: Yeah, and if, if we employ that sort of attack the block thing we spoke about um, a couple of, uh, before the last international break, um, Everton, Nottingham Forest, lo- loose in away, and then Brentford at home. Like, none of those games, uh, Brentford would have, not for long ago, given me pause for thought, but mm. those four games, um, I, I find it very difficult at the moment to think that I'd kind of... <laughs> ascent to the FOMO basically and I suppose paradoxically this is kind of the case that maybe the no Holland brigade would have made as well because if you say all right I'm going to own Salah Watkins the Arsenal players Son and Madison and the United player for all of these games take out Holland. okay I'm you know I'm going to be worried about the captaincy that's going to be kind of a fact of life but I can cover it I believe in that then you know, again, that sort of makes a lot of sense to do. And I think that's why kind of these sorts of um, exercises, I suppose, looking forward for the players who are talismanic or the players who you are kind of counting on to be in the main source of of points generation in your team is always something that's really important to do. But, you know, I I completely agree with you, Sam, there. Uh, The final question, I suppose, is is kind of something that um, is, um, I know a few people won't like it, but, Sod it. <laughs> effective ownership uh, for Salah um up to thirty five percent now. Obviously, we saw last week um, he was kind of you know in the in kind of the forties in terms of uh, effective ownership. That so was just because of the uh, um, just because of the captaincy, of course. And um, we've now got um, a situation where his price is is looking like it might rise uh, again. Um, so, I mean, is that something that people are going to have to bear in mind? I suppose it depends a lot on the richness of the blood and sort of other sort of considerations. So you may again kind of think by game week 10, yeah, you know what, I'm going to take on Salah with with Saka and I wouldn't be kind of too upset if someone did say that.
0: Yeah, so I, I think with effective ownership, there are two questions. If you don't have Salah already, there are two questions you've got to ask yourself. One, how many points do you personally think Salah is capable of? over the next block of fixtures. So maybe just take the next four. So Everton, Forest, Luton, Brentford as that next block. How many points do you think he's actually capable of? And the the second, well, I suppose it's a three-part question then. If you don't have him, how easily can you get to him? And then the third part is try and do some mental arithmetic to figure out how much it would damage you and your rank by not having him if he scored the points that you think he's going to score over the next four game weeks. If that damage is high because he has a really high effective ownership and you think he scores a lot of points, then then you really need to start having a plan for getting to him. But if any one element of those is off, if you don't think the effective ownership is going to be that high and you can't get to him that easily... Well, it doesn't really matter, even if you think he scores a lot of points. If you think it's going to take me a minus eight to get to him, but the ownership's not going to hurt me anyway, then you kind of don't need to worry about it. I think the problem with Salah in this instance is his ownership is going to climb. I think with the captaincy armband on him for a few of these game weeks, he's probably going to reach 80, 90, if not 100% EO, um, which means all of his points are going to hurt you. Um, every single time you go without him, so then it then it becomes a decision of how many points do you think he's going to get, and how easily can you get to him? If you can get to him fairly easily, or if you've got a wild card in your back pocket, and that's the the way to get to him, I think if you think he does score a lot of points, and personally I do, mm. then I would want him in my team very sharpish because I'd start getting very scared of that that effective ownership, knowing that I have <laughs> a. very large amount of confidence in the amount of points he's going to score but if you don't then the ownership's it doesn't matter if you don't think he's going to score the points if you've got that confidence in your own decision making and you don't think he's going to score the points then uh, ownership is kind of nonsensical you don't need to worry about it because you should back up your own views like you should think about this from your point of view but personally, I think most of us probably think he's going to score quite a few points and the ownership's going to be high. So I'd, I'd probably prioritize getting to him. And I did get to him last week for that reason.
1: Perfect. I mean, well, I think there's definitely an exhaustive look, really, on the question um, is Mo Salah essential for contemplate? Pro mm. template is he essential? Well, no, no player is, of course. And if you're kind of contemplate, I think there's definitely a lot of um, positives there that you can draw. And it's a lot about belief. It's a lot about sort of trust in a player and also in the trust in other players that you can bring in if you don't go with Salah and spread the funds around a little bit. Um, I said earlier on there's three probable viewpoints you can look at this through. If you own Mo, you're probably with us in terms of how we've sort of termed it. Um, if you don't own, but you can get too easily... I think um, I listened to what Sam said earlier and maybe kind of strongly consider going with it, especially over the next sort of, you know, few fixtures up until game week 16. Um, It's very, it's just so... It's, I find it very difficult as well to, to kind of escape the FOMO. And I think that my confidence would be, same as yours, Sam, would be very kind of highly confident. But if you don't own, you can't get there easily, barring surgery. I think there's a lot of heart to take from that as well. There's loads of other players out there mm-hmm. um, who are point um, key points generators Um, who, if you have to spread the funds around, um, could match Mo and um, I think also plug that gap for you. I think that's why FPL is a bit exciting this season, because we're not in a state at the moment where we're heavily templated. You can take bets wherever you want to. You can go about Salah, Mm. go about Holland, You can go about Watkins. You can go about Arsenal. You can go about Sonny Madison. And you can go uh, without United player at the moment, (laughs) quite Easily because of other players that can fit in, um, but yeah, we'll see how this goes going forward. But yeah, hopefully that was an interesting way of looking at all of this for you. Um, wow, forty-five minutes on that, Sam. How have we managed that? <laughs> right, uh, shall we uh, swiftly move on to bold claims? Uh, unfortunately, I think because I'm a useless individual, um, we're going to have to just stick to Tom versus Sam from now on, um, because I keep forgetting to listen to things, and you know, it's it's been too many weeks now. Um, but anyway, um, last week it was. Uh, Sam, Bowen uh, outscores all players. No. Didn't happen. And, uh, I <laughs> also bet that Brentford beat United by two, uh, which was no two. Um, so mm. I think we're still... Is it 2-0 two, at the moment, I think, isn't
0: it? 2-0 at the moment, yeah. So um, still to get off the board. So... Um... Less and less bold every week now, I think, from from you probably. And then you'll probably catch me quite quickly. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, this week I've gone, I think, fairly bold. So I think there's a good chance that you get on the board and catch me up a bit this week. Um, I've gone Haaland-Hattrick against Brighton. Um, Again, on the theme of what we were talking about earlier. Yes, he's reverted to the mean slightly, but I still think there is a very, very hungry goal scorer in there. And... I think it could all just come together nicely at, at any given moment. I don't know when that's going to be, but I think mm. when it does, it will be dramatic and quite explosive. And I'm betting on it as he's my captain this week. I'm hoping and betting on it being this week against Brighton at home.
1: Yeah. I think what makes that exciting too is the fact you've got the no Holland brigade now. So, mm. I mean, it's not going to, take too much off everything i think it'll be really interesting next week to see what the eo for holland is And mm. um, i think the really interesting one would be probably be the the back bournemouth game and because there are kind of a few different sort of options but game week 11 uh, against bournemouth and that would be the really interesting one to see what sort of the max the ceiling is now for holland's eo but we're now at a point where you can gain a slight bit through caps Holland, so yeah, I, love that. I love that to happen um I've uh yeah I, I've made a bit of a mistake here I think Sam I should maybe have gone for a beige pick but no I've gone for a bold claim uh, which is Son Blank versus Fulham I just wonder whether Fulham are going to low block low block it um, and mm. uh, Son may find difficult with the runs in behind and all that sort of jazz and um, a lot of this basically is predicated on the fact that um I just uh I'm looking for uh, some sort of bold claim, um, which I can get behind. So I'm just hoping that and this means that could have gonna do loads of points, <laughs> but mm-hmm. who knows? The guy's just holding wit from the side. But yeah, Son blank versus Fulham against low block, um off after sixty minutes, um with a blank. Um I think I I I wonder whether that's gonna happen. Um I win either way, basically. So if Son doesn't blank, yeah. then great great field few points if he does blank uh, then yay bowl claim at least and yes maybe I should go a bit more beige next week maybe it's Mo Salad's outscore Erling Holland. <laughs> nice preempting it um one thing to note on this one of
0: my bowl claims that was successful was on son blanking so that, that could, was it, that
1: was after the curse of the most bought-in player though That's it very was
0: good. It was, yeah. So um, you might get lucky and and get on the board with the exact same call as well. So, yeah, fingers crossed for you. Um, He won't be my captain this week either. So I don't think he'll be over 100% EO, but it won't hurt too much if he does blank. And obviously, as an Arsenal fan, you would probably be quite happy to see that happen Um, anyway. So, yeah, fingers crossed for us both going into game week nine. Uh, Shall we move on to the listener questions for today?
1: Yes, yes. So normally we wouldn't go on this long, I promise. Um, but because it's international break, not very much been going on and, and we might as well just we well go through. And thanks so much for everybody, with for their patience. Uh, those who asked us last week, we are going to speak to them now. And there's a few other questions we've got today, um, but I closed up pretty quickly because I realised, crap, we've got loads. Um, but, uh, <laughs> the first thing is it relates back to what we were talking about earlier on in terms of the grid of um, good fixtures coming up. Uh, lots of interest, obviously, in the upcoming Arsenal fixtures. Uh, Dave yeah. uh, asks which Arsenal mid? Uh, Michael Lowe asks, would you how would you rank the key Arsenal assets now? Martin is back and cheaper. Uh, Saka finally missed the game and Odegaard is sharing the pens. FPR failure asks for guessing Arsenal mid in 10, would you sell some for Saka? Um Or um, Martinelli um, in order to keep Son and Trippier, um, which is kind of one of the things that I'm also maybe potentially thinking about as well. Um, So, I mean, of the the Arsenal mid-SAM, I don't know where you stand on this. Is it kind of Saka or nothing? I mean, that was kind of how I initially set up my wildcard, which was to get Saka back. Um, But I think I kind of undervalued a little bit the FOMO and obviously Watkins then went off and scored 23 points. So there's always going to be that sort of, Uh, uh, bandwagon that's on its way but the the fixtures coming too, maybe I slightly undervalued that, especially with the rest of the team going around and you have one 8 million slot. Um, I mean are are you going to get an Arsenal mid, can you, with your current setup?
0: Uh, I can so I've I've specifically left a slot for an Arsenal mid in game week 10 um, with 0.7 in the bank to even hop across from Madison to Saka if I wanted to. That was the original plan anyway. Could easily move Son across as well instead. But I I think most people are probably going to go for Saka. And I understand that based on the data we've seen so far, the idea that he is, in inverted commas, on penalties some of the time is very helpful as well. He is probably the obvious pick. The fact he missed a game, actually, if anything, makes him, in my mind, an even more favourable pick moving forwards because as long as he does has recovered and he is fit again by Game Week 10, he's had his rest, finally, and maybe he just looks a little bit refreshed. He didn't go on international duty. He's had two weeks off, which is something he hasn't had in absolutely ages. So maybe we'll see a recharged, refreshed Bakayo Saka going into Game Week 10, fingers crossed. Um, but I do think it's closer than than what the actual influx of transfers will probably suggest. I think Martinelli is going to be a very strong pick for nearly a million less. Um, The data hasn't been great for him so far this season, but it is important to note that a lot of that data, if not all of that data came without Jesus in the side, and he performs a lot better with Jesus in the side. Um, Trossard looks like he might be struggling with an injury now as well. You might be able to confirm that um, for me in a second, but... Um, If so, then Martinelli is probably a lock down that left wing. So I think he's, he's an explosive asset I'd very much be interested in. And then Erdegaard is also taking a lot of shots at the moment. It looks like he's trying to get away as many shots as possible in and around the box. And a lot of the fixtures to come, I would suggest that he'll be making those late runs and getting some shots on the cutback as well. So even though he's around the same price as Saka... There's probably an argument to be made that you could go for an Erdegaard. He's on a couple of penalties as well. And is usually the main beneficiary if Saka is giving away the penalties. I think he's got almost first option on them by the looks of it. So any one of those three, I think, are viable picks going into game week 10. And Ooh. yes, Saka's is going to be the very highly owned one mm-hmm. and probably the favoured option, especially considering the underlying data so far this season. But definitely don't just dis- disregard the other ones, and you might be able mm. to steal a march on others if you do brave it with one of those other two, and they hit a little bit of a hot streak. Because I can't really see too much that would suggest that they couldn't go on that hot streak ahead of Saka. I think Saka's just the the easy option, isn't he? He's got the data yeah.
1: and is on some of the penalties at least. So yeah, I- I've yeah. Ob- ob- observationally, I I really I, I love uh, Marcinelli when Jesus in the team. Um, I think that that's yeah. really important. The play between the two of them, what that allows Marcinelli to do, um, versus when Enchetti is in the team, Marcinelli, not useless by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I kind of feel like from watching the the goal threat is slightly um curtailed. Um I, I really like Saka back. Um that was kind of the main thing. Um I do think that Watkins is going to be a concern for me, and um, so it might mean that I leave the Arsenal defender. No, uh, sorry, the Arsenal midfielder. One thing that I'm considering game week ten is looking at uh, removing Trippier that week um, to get an Arsenal mm. player in and replacing him uh, with a Burn or something like that. And um, I think that it's going to be something which I'm going to have to really give proper consideration to. But it might be that I just kind of take my points and run. Um, feet, <laughs> lean into the negative narrative, Sam. you know, He's 33 years old. Is he going to be able to play all of these games? Blah, 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 blah. Because there is going to be a time when your man, Tino Liver- Livermento, comes in. There is going to be a time when Newcastle do start to tire a little bit. There is going to be a time um, when the the clean sheets do kind of slightly drop a little bit for them. Um, And it might be a case of, I just kind of say, you know what, I'm going to take my money and and run and kind of reinvest that money into my forward line and have someone like a burn or um, a Botman and just let it take over a little bit. And that is really key to my thinking that I really, really, just rate sacker as a player i think he's just brilliant and i i i don't know i think i think he's one of those guys who um if in a few years time we are sat here and we're kind of you know still still presenting this and uh, still playing fpl i wonder if there's going to be a season when we kind of think oh my god can you remember that that the the years when sacker was eight 8.5 I want. I, I think that this year might be that year where we look at him and just think god you know the guy scored 200 plus points two years in a row like what what a player like he could easily officially win the league um or at least kind of again kind of come second and he's consistent again he could well kind of end up being kind of 10 11 12. so it's a cut price premium i i've still got that absolute belief in am a star boy um so it may well be that that's the way I go. So I think it's still going to be Saka for me, and and uh, and I think that he would be top just about over Marcinelli because of what he can do on the pitch. I think penalties is always a bit of a lottery. It's annoying that he's obviously given the penalties away. <laughs> That's always a bit of a pain in the ass but it is what it is. And the Odegaard has always struck me as a bit of a draft pick. Um, one of the mm. players took over, and um, but it's not quite really what you want. Um, from a player playing open Yes, okay, we're paying twelve point five million for Salah, <laughs> but you know, um, at that price, I think I'm going to want um, some uh, a bit of a, more of a roller coaster experience. And and I think that I would I sell some for Saka to answer FPR failure's question. Difficult. <laughs> I'm not sure that I would, because I think that, that there's definitely an element of um, love him and leave him with Son um, and not love him and leave him as in love him and get rid of him. Love him, just leave him in place because Spurs, no European competition every week. They've got a game. He's going to be number nine. Could well score a brace hat-trick, no matter what the game, because I, I trust that quality. Um, so I'm not sure I'd do that. And um, in terms of FPL failure's question, would you sacrifice Trippier to keep Son? Um, and uh, uh, sorry, would you sell Son for Saka? I wouldn't do that. Um, would I sell? Would I get Marcinelli to keep Son for I maybe would do that. Uh, but he did also ask. Um, I forgot that earlier. Would you sacrifice Trippier in order to keep Son? I think. I, I think that's kind of where it goes in the hierarchy of those um, of those individuals. I would be selling Trippier uh, to keep Son. And to kind of just go all out <laughs> in terms of what the attacking um, seven can do for you or eight can do for you, um, I, I think that's kind of the way I go. So I think the Saka, Martinelli, um I know the guard would be my three, and I think that um, yeah, if I, if I couldn't get to Saka and I had to get Marcinelli, I would not be upset at all. I do, I do get him. It's just a, a notch above. I think with Saka, is basically that, yeah. that's where I am that's all it is and it could well be that I do the unfashionable move and cash in on Trippier and say goodbye right. in game week 10 see where it goes now and um, but that that could be where I go because you know getting Watkins getting Saka in at the cost of losing a defender that I can kind of cover not not completely but the same with logic with that you said two weeks ago I think it was with you know we've got Burn. at least you can kind of cover Trippier's clean sheets and then everything mm. else is what it is. I think that I can, I can lean into that basically. So yeah, interesting. Um, I yeah, I I, I'm, I really want to get an Arsenal awesome player back basically.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, next question. Uh, Chris says, is Shimmercast now a, vi- a viable pick? Assuming Robertson is out until at least next international break. Should have mentioned that earlier. So Robertson did get injured. <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. No, no, no sniffing injuries. Yes, there was one. Uh, Shimmercast is now four point four. Sam. Um, obviously there's a conditional, if he's out until at least next international break, we can always do the, it depends on how long, let's, let's skip that, and just assume he's out for a little bit. I mean, is that a player that you'd be interested in getting in, especially with the Liverpool fixtures we've mentioned? I mean, surely he's worth a shout. Yeah, um,
0: with the asterisks that it's a big if. Um, yeah, if, if he is around for a bit and we can trust him to start for four or five weeks, probably that block of four. Um, then, yeah, 4.4 million, tuck in, definitely. Um, If I was on a wildcard this weekend, I got news that Rob Robertson was out for three or four weeks. I mean, we've done it a couple of seasons ago and we knew that that was only going to be a couple of weeks. Tr- true, he was like 3.8, 3.9 at the time, but he-, he was still great value for money. And the- I think clean sheets are probably there in at least a couple of those matches. You've got Everton at home, Nottingham Forest at home, Luton away, There are probably one or two clean sheets there and you might bag an attack and return or two um, if you're lucky. So 4.4 million. Yeah, as long as you've got an exit route for when Robertson does come back in. um, Yeah, monitor the news, make sure that he is out for long enough. And um, then, yeah, I I think he does become a viable pick because I can't really name any other left back options that they would play there. It kind of just has to be him, right? Think so.
1: I mean there some suggestion James from Planet FPL said there may be some suggestion that he plays he could play like Kwanzaa or something there, but he right. you know, J- James also said, Yeah, that's probably not gonna happen. So I mean yeah, yeah, I mean obviously it depends a lot on a lot of things, but Shimik has takes corners. Um there's there's sort of the, the element that he could uh, well get you an attack in return. And um, four point four. I mean why not? Decent yeah. um, if you do find good get good information that Robertson's out until the next international break, uh, at least out into uh, the next three games, then fair play. Why not? As, long as you've got an yeah. extra Sam says that's really important for a player like that. You know it's a short-term punt. Just have your eyes wide open. When you're going into it, and don't be upset if Robertson's back suddenly, and you're like, mm. oh well, because Robertson's uh, demonstrated better than Shimmer has. Adam Pritchard, is Huang a genuine option for fifth midfielder, um, scoring goals? Uh, Sheffield United and Bournemouth next three. He allows people to fit in free strikers or Trippier if struggling for funds. And um, yeah, I've, I've very little known, isn't it? How well Huang's been doing? Very kind of mm-hmm. uh, below the radar. Uh, Wolves. Uh, I don't know if you, do you remember this uh, cup against Man City, but it was just like the Korean guy has scored. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean Huang. It, it, historically it's just kind of struggle for fitness a lot but the last couple of games has uh, made it past the 80 minute mark twice done a couple of goals um not taking like loads of shots or anything like that it's definitely not the case that he's a volume player if it was very much that he's a kind of quite precise uh, 1.8 and the 1.2 x non-pen xg five goal i mean well, yeah I mean, it's one of those isn't it where i mean we're both on gordon i think we're both kind of quite happy with with, with a gordon and um, but if you need, you need a little bit extra money then then kind of why not and um, i kind of i watched Neto play um the last couple of weeks uh, the man city game and the villa game and it's a player that you kind of look at it and you just think wow you know this guy's going to really explode soon uh, obviously he is assisting huang but both of those games, I was thinking. Well, especially the Villa game, I was thinking, wow, you know, he could walk away with a twelve-pointer very easily. And mm-hmm. um, so, uh, there's something about Neto that I really like. Um, hopefully, he doesn't end up at Arsenal. I'm sure he'll end up at Chelsea. Um, but the fixtures are, are right for Wolves actually. So Bournemouth, Newcastle, which was difficult. Uh, Sheffield United, Spurs, not a bad attacking fixture. And Fulham after game week 13. I mean, there's it, got to be something there, isn't it? with Huang?
0: yeah i i think there is something there it's a, it's a bit of a punt for me it, it feels it feels like the hot streak's gonna end soon you you quoted the xg um and the fact he's got five goals from what was it 1.2 xg um he's on a hot streak he's he's clearly finishing well at the moment but i think we see one or two of these every season where as soon as we start flocking towards a player like this they just revert back to the mean a little bit and maybe it's a one goal in every five games kind of player all of a sudden um but yeah i mean he, he's cheap and he and he's starting games now the the second problem with him historically has been that we couldn't rely on him to start now he's doing that and if he can stay fit then he definitely becomes an option and wolves are creating more chances than they have done historically and with the fixtures, yeah, I, I, I can't fault it as a, as a bit of a, a fifth midfielder punt, um, especially when you look at the o- other options around. I don't think any of them are heads and shoulders a- ahead of him. But I, I do prefer one or two of them fractionally. I prefer Neto. I prefer Gordon. Yeah. I might weirdly even kind of prefer Decoré as well, which is a bit of a, a bold one. Not, not, but the not now is the very good. Not, not now with the fixtures, Sam
1: yeah well,
0: enough, week, but I, don't know know bad. I don't know if they're that bad i, I wouldn't mind looking at decoré only one percent owned but I, I, i'd take the point point. 0.47 xg um per 90 at the moment hmm. for decoré just saying um which by the sounds of it is much higher than wang but yeah, yeah. i mean wang is he 5.4 so yeah, yeah definitely an option um I personally went with Gordon because I think it's more sustainable and in a better team. But if you back Wolves to continue for the next four or five games when they've got nice fixtures, then, yeah, I I don't see it as a bad pick whatsoever.
1: Yeah, it's one of those where you you can be quite free and easy with those sort of picks, like knowing that, especially the rest of your team, especially this year, is full of players that you're looking to kind of keep for a little while, um, then, sure, if you fancy it, go for it. Basically, if you fancy him to do, that, do a Danny Ings and just keep converting despite the fact that his XG is fairly low, then sure, why not? No, yeah, it, it, is, it is what it is. It's just, I, you know, I agree with you, Sam, that maybe a Neto, maybe a Gordon is probably one that you've got a slight bit of longevity about. But if you are just playing the numbers, why not? Yeah. Um, Next one, Mark says, and Sammy this earlier. Actually, and um, you always said that three five two was a formation this year. You said that in the early uh, podcasts, and um, but I'm seeing a lot of Alvarez, Watkins, Hallen these days. So it's three four three back. What do you think about this, Sam? Um, I don't think it ever really properly left. Like
0: there are always teams out there with a three four three. I I think it's just the the ratios that that kind of ebb and flow throughout the season. Um, I personally still prefer the three-five-two because I think there are just so many midfield options that I'm going to want to swap in and out over a season, um, and I just think with with the strikers, they, I just don't need that many slots. I don't I don't need as many as I would need the midfielders. So I personally prefer three-five-two, but there are certainly three strikers you could go for and and pay and it pay dividends. At the moment, obviously it's that triple that you mentioned of Alvarez, Haaland and Watkins. But that could easily, one of them could become Darwin. One of them could become a budget striker. Perhaps even uh, Evan Ferguson, for instance, at some point in the season could become a nailed Brighton attacker. And then all of a sudden, 3-4-3 is properly back. But I think at the moment, I'm seeing maybe like 75% on the 3-5-2 and maybe 25% on 3-4-3. I think the only other thing to mention is... At the moment, a lot of drafts are either Watkins or Alvarez rather than them both. And I think the reason for that is possibly because if you're sticking with Haaland anyway, you might not want to double up on Man City up front with Alvarez as well, looking at the fact that Aston Villa's fixtures to come are very, very positive. Yes, Man City, I'm sure will score plenty of goals, but with Aston Villa's Watkins is talismanic. So it becomes an either or. And there are, as we mentioned earlier on in the pod, there are just so many midfield options around that 7-8 million mark or going up to 9 million that you want in your side. I'd prefer to have five slots in midfield to make that happen. But with that being said, I don't think 3-4-3 ever really went away. It's still definitely a viable option. And there are drafts out there that I really like to look off with 3-4-3. So I would absolutely not put off anyone from doing that. Um, but for me personally, I, I just slightly favour that
1: five in midfield at the moment. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. It comes down to the back sort of, um, maybe get a bit worky here, but the idea of liquidity for me, because it's a higher cost to remove a forward because you're likely to want to move that forward on. So Alvarez, Watkins, Haaland, if one of them, you want to move them, I don't quite see the substitute in the market at the moment, which means that I want to move one of them to another forward. For me at the moment, I want to be buying a midfielder for that forward so it gets more difficult it's not efficient because you're basically going to be spending a transfer buying a cheaper potentially non-starting forward to make your 4.5 million whatever it is midfielder into a playing midfielder versus in the free five two you've got five midfielders and you kind of it's more kind of interchangeable parts we were like okay i don't really fancy um you know gordon anymore I'm going to move on to Neto because his fixtures are great. Um, but if I had a, to move a forward on to do that, then it means I've got an extra transfer to make. And I don't think there's a, the depth in the forward sort of roster, as you were saying, kind of Sam, versus mm. the depth there is in the midfield roster. And um, so it, it kind of comes down to, down to that, I suppose, that in 3 4 3, I feel like a lot of the time this year, you're basically setting yourself up for. I don't know we don't know we don't know it may well be that you you know forwards do come through and you'll find that like Dominic Calvert-Lewin stepping up like in days of old uh, Isaac being like really kind of a must own if Wilson's out uh, Darwin mm. Making case for himself alongside Haaland and Watkins, uh, Solanke even. Um, but I, I still see, and we spoke about earlier on in kind of the matrix of good fixtures, that the midfielders are always there with good fixtures, uh, with that sort of sense of kind of pedigree, long term trust. Um, so yeah, it comes onto liquidity. And I think that it is all about kind of the fact that I'm, I want to make efficient transfers. And this year, it looks like the three-five-two 5 2 is the wave towards that efficiency. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, next question uh, Seeking Duzan um says taking on death star's question from last week is sterling still a big jerk <laughs> this is obviously after loads of people had sold him <laughs> last week uh for son maybe he sold him for for salah maybe you're thinking he's less of a big jerk and mm-hmm. um, hey i mean it's one of those isn't it where um, i can understand where if you kind of held a player for quite a while and there's been the impetus to just kind of get rid then you might be like oh for god's sake he's finally come through and um, I mean, I, th- I think Sterling Sam is one of those players that you you got to just leave him really just to tick along, especially with this Chelsea. And I don't know, it, it can't be much of a surprise. I I I, I really I'm not kind of having a go at people who did sell him because I'd have done exactly the same thing, and you did this, you did exactly this as well, <laughs> so I'm not mm-hmm. having a go at you either. And um, of some wildcard. but it's not really much of a surprise, perhaps, that he he's flourished against uh, t- the two newly promoted teams. Yeah, I mean, as you said to me on the day when I was uh, trying to uh, just, just taking the piss a little bit, you were like, "Well, you know, it was always it could have always happened." I knew it. So, I mean, yeah, you're not gonna. Is it, he still a big jerk, basically?
0: Yeah, I mean, he's definitely a, a flat track bully, isn't he? By the looks of it, and I, on a wild card last week, I. The way I was trying to uh, word it to you, maybe I was at like a gin distillery that day, so maybe not that well. Maybe after a few gins, I wasn't quite <laughs> getting my point across very well. Um, but yeah, so b- basically, what I was saying is on a on a wild card because it wasn't a free transfer or a, like a transfer I was doing, it felt like more of a forced move. I needed to get rid of Sterling on a wild card because he only had one good fixture left of his run, and because I was pulling the wild card a week or two earlier than I originally planned. I didn't want to keep Sterling on my wildcard just for one game and then have to book in a transfer anyway. So I knew that that Burnley fixture was a good fixture for him. He always looked likely to get something in that game. But yeah, obviously returning in that manner, getting, was it 16 points or something like that, is a bit annoying but at the same time, like I, his EO was so low at that point. Most people had gotten rid of him at that point anyway. If you're one of the re- remaining few with him, then absolutely fantastic. You're jumping for joy. You're having a great time. But the ones that did get rid of him, it stings a little bit, but much less than if he hauled and you got rid of him, but his EO was still very, very high and it really hmm. hurt your rank. Yeah, I think for me with the fixtures to come there's no way I'd want him until game week 16 now anyway so I'll iron back up around then when the fixtures are good for a patch again and see where the land lies then but for the time being it's annoying but at the end of the day like um like seeking uh Doosan said it's the fact he's just a jerk isn't he so we'll just have to live with it <laughs>
1: I, I, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, the, the the fixture on from sixteen to into January, so that's like about early, early December, January is is really really good. Mm. So yeah, that's, that's when you come back to it again. But I mean, if you especially if you're moving on wild cards, I mean, you're kind of like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> you're yeah. not as emotionally affected are you than if you removed him for a player? But again, as I said, I completely understand if you removed him for Son and captain Son against Luton, basically you fell foul of foul of X red card. Which is yeah. there's, no, there's no way of really quantifying that, is there? Really, um, three more. Uh, so, Black Wolf anti penultimate question: um, Who would you prefer from Game Week Ten? Uh, Watkins, Saka, Estepinion, or Alvarez, Madison, and Trips? Um, interesting ones there. Um, I, I, it, it, it really comes down to where you kind of place value, I suppose. There for me, Um mm. I. That's difficult. You, it's difficult. It's a tough one. It's a tough one. I read it before, and
0: i I've made notes on which one I prefer. But even now, I'm doubting myself. I th- I think overall, I prefer the balance of Watkins Saka opinion. I I think the fact that Brighton's fixtures turn good in game week ten, Saka obviously looks a great option from game week ten. Arsenal's fixtures are really good from that point, and Watkins still has some great fixtures ahead. So that all of those three in combination. Well, in, even in isolation, are great picks. Even with average fixtures, they've all got great fixtures from that point onwards. Alvarez, Madison, and Trippier—all great options in their own right—but the fixtures aren't quite there for them in comparison. And I think that I could look at mapping out over the next four or five game weeks from that point. I think I, I think I back the first three to outscore Alvarez, Madison, and Trippier, especially when with Trippier. As we mentioned earlier, there are four point five to five million options in that Newcastle defence. You don't have to completely diversify yeah, yeah, okay. from from a Newcastle defender, so you could cover off some of the points there. Um, yeah, and and at the moment, as it stands, I have I have removed Alvarez for Watkins on a wild card, so I kind of have to stand by that. And I am planning on removing Madison or possibly <laughs> Son, but probably Madison next week for Saka. And I think okay. I would also then prefer a Stupinan over Trippier, who I have also sold on a wild card. So mm. yeah, for me, it's the first three. But you could see the other three outscoring them. It's not impossible yes. to say that. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm going the first three.
1: It's, it's nature of the beast this year, isn't it? A little bit. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, you know, there's so many combinations you can go with, and I think that you know, you talking about what you've done. Is kind of quite instructive to me actually because as I said earlier on, I'm looking at probably moving Alvarez to Watkins. I'm probably looking at moving Kulisevsky, who would be the Madders a lot of people onto Saka mm. and then selling Trippier yeah. for a an nest opinion analogue, which would be a, a burn or something. So I, I think that kind of means that I'm 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 with you there, Sam. Um, and yeah. I'm going for option one and then um, well, I think we're having Black Wolf on the pod at some point, aren't we? So um be interesting yeah. to see where he's gone with all of that. So yeah, um I mean it's preference, isn't it? And as uh, Sam said, any of those could could yeah, any one of the two could beat the other one. So mm. it's, it's what is it's gonna just be a case of just backing what you think the uh, the reality is gonna be. for uh, question, FPL sponge, best one week punt for wild card 10. Um oh, I've mentioned him um I mentioned him a few weeks ago actually, as my if I back then I was thinking about leaving the wild cards until game week 10 obviously didn't happen. And, um, but the one that I really, really would love to go for Sam uh, would be Jota the slaughter. Yeah. Um, who's now uh, uh, available. And um, there's all, always the kind of South American players, Liverpool, and there's question marks over those guys, Everton at home. Um, and uh, the early game as well. So that it further embellishes me to think uh, in my thoughts that, you know, what, maybe um, you'd be seeing the uh, likes of Diaz, likes of Darwin, maybe given um, a, a bit of a bench in. Um, so just to the Stosser would be where I would go um, if I was taking him one-week punt, especially midfield. Uh, where about you? Yeah,
0: so um, looking at the fixtures for this game, I think you've got to target one of the weaker sides and, and really go for it there. My pick would be Hoyland at Man United. I think that away fixture against Sheffield United, he Ooh. hasn't really done much in the league yet, but he should get good minutes. I, don't, I haven't heard anything of an injury, so I'm assuming he'll start. Um, the other options are obviously Rashford-Bruno. I wouldn't I wouldn't really call them punts. There are still people with them in their sides, whereas Hoyland is definitely a differential at this stage. And I, th- I think he's looked pretty threatening. I think they're starting to create chances for him and, Sheffield United can capitulate if um, certain things go against them. So, yeah, I, I would quite fancy him for a one-week punt in game week nine against uh, Sheffield United away from home.
1: Okay, fair play. So Rashford's the third most transferred out player is uh, he? in midfield. Um, actually, away you know, to Sheffield United. That is really saying something. Uh, ov- overall, that is, throughout the course of the season. Oh, uh, right. The, the okay. most transferred okay. out player um, overall is Esther and then um, Saka is the second most transferred player overall um, so far. It's, it's just mad, really. Um, yeah, no, I, yeah, I'm with you on that one. That should be, be an interesting one. I think that maybe we're going to see. Maybe I mean, I, I you know if, if if I if I get Cameron Archer on against Man United, I'm not going to be too upset. But I think we may, we may we may well see that those who are still holding tight to their wild card. Haven't played it yet. We will have a bit of a resurgence uh, next week. Uh, that's for sure. And uh, Dave sees at FPL. Uh, hi, Dave. Final question. In terms of OR. What's your tipping point for getting punty? Um, I'm. Uh, he said that you know that means going up uh, against more than uh, you know a certain amount of the template um, and the O cap. he said he's two point six million after working his way up from six million. And he only listens to us and doesn't look at FPL X or anything like that. He's so screwed. Ho- hopefully, <laughs> uh, we can we can we can drive him to a, a better time than how it started. <laughs> but, um, I mean, um. I don't know. I mean if you if you I mean you were at um, 2.x million yeah last week mm-hmm. I'm assuming this excludes wildcard um if you were still there and you played your wild cards earlier mm-hmm. on and you were kind of at 2. something million would you have played it differently
0: uh, it's uh, it's hard to say in hindsight to be fair but I I'm quite an advocate for breaking the season into two halves and I at this point I wouldn't be considering just going punty for the sake of it honestly. He, even at 2.6 million. I mean he he said it himself he's gone back he's come back from six million. We're only on game week nine. Like he's come back from six million, he's at two point six now you can easily get within that top million in a couple of game weeks with just sensible decision-making. There, there will be a split captaincy over the next eight weeks, naturally anyway. So just make logical, sensible decisions, even just on captaincy alone, making sure you've got those sensible captain picks and get the get the correct call as often as possible. And with the split ownership, with the split EO, you will start making big gains like, like you saw with us last week the only reason either of us really made gains last week was because we put it on ha- uh, put it on Salah over Haaland or Son, yeah. which I, I don't think was punty. It was, it was just we thought he was the better captaincy option. It wasn't for the sake of it. It wasn't because otherwise we're just never going to claw back the rank. It was just that week we felt he was a, a better pick marginally. So I think at this point in the season, you don't need to start throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Just make sensible decisions don't follow the herd for the sake of it really think independently and within a couple of weeks you could see that 2.6 million halved comfortably and then all of a sudden the grass is looking a lot greener Uh, maybe when you're over halfway through the season you're past christmas and chips have started to be played and you're not really seeing that rank rise that is maybe when you start looking at a a few more punts or like the week before a wild card for instance but For the time being, I I think it's all good. Don't panic too much. The the ranks are still cliche but very tight together. Yeah. With sensible decision making will
1: get you up those ranks pretty quickly at this point. I think uh, think you're right. I think the only thing that I would kind of add to that is that I think there are kind of times when and we'll talk about it in contemplate, but there'll be a certain player who is kind of part of the zeitgeist. And Mm. if you can find an alternative to that player if there's a lower owned individual who can do that job for you um, then i think that that's that's always worth going with But i i do think that and i i've been in the situation for first kind of four or five years of this pod um where i did play that way sam i did absolutely kind of just follow the herd just just kind of go along with everything and i really remember kind of loads of points where not not with captaincy um i think captaincy over was a, a, a separate issue like i just screwed myself separately and um, through being a bit sort of punty with the captain but with players who i'm not going to be kind of captaining just kind of having in my team there's been loads of sort of instances where i've looked at a player really liked a player assuming i are doing all due diligence about a player and um, where i've kind of looked at whoever else is bringing in um in in the meta and thought oh god i to bring that player in and actually i would had a different thought about a different player that i thought was going to do well and that player's done well and that actually annoyed me a lot more than the mm. times when i've um, you know um just gone with gone with the herd and it's not gone especially well or mm. I've taken less delight, I suppose, in the times where I've gone with the herd and that pair's done well versus when I haven't gone with the herd and that's been great. And it's all about kind of what we've spoken about a few times in the past on this pod this year about kind of finding those moments when you attack it. I mean, Sam mentioned Salah a minute ago, um, with you know, a player who's kind of running out of steam. So if you say, you know, going forward, if you think that Son, for example, is running out of steam, you think, you know, loads of people have this player in their team, but I can go over to Asaka or you know, mention the Man Knightovich being very good, I can go over to a Bruno Fernandez. Um, it's taking those sort of bold moves and thinking, you know what, I'm not gonna captain this player. The EO is not gonna be too bad, like it could hurt me a little bit, but if I own a nine percent. EO player versus you know, still owning a 67% EO player, does nothing every week, then there's going to be some gains there. So yes, play sensibly, but also kind of take on your battles strategically. So there's going to be one or two Kind of opportunities every week, I think, with any oh, yeah. players, depending how you're going. And um, I think that'd be the way I would go there. Um, yes, uh, but I think captaincy is always going to be one of those, especially over the next few weeks with uh, no Holland Brigade uh, involved now. Um, so the UNC is not going to be quite there if Holland. And you've got other players who can feasibly be captained every week, um, and I think that you know at two point six million, and um, there's always going to be a way that you can get on really quickly, and that the green arrow is not going to be tiny; it's going to be huge if it goes well for you, and you know just lean into the variance, as it were, um, because you're not going to fall too far back, assuming you're an engaged manager, but you can really, really jump forward. It doesn't take very much at all. Mm. Right? Okay, we're in. We're in transfers and captain Samuel. Uh, oh, that's me. It's um, you first, so yes, yeah. Yeah. Um. So I, f- I, f- I feel like it's a rolling week, uh, for you, it's a rolling week. That's for sure because you're cardi. Um. Yeah. For me, it's probably a rolling week, assuming there's no injuries. Um. I- I'm very glad, as I've mentioned a few times on this pod, to kick the can down the road for one more week because I need to make a choice potentially between Watkins and Arsenal mid, or I need to decide to sell Trippier for a hit. Um. I can do Kolesovsky to an Arsenal mid in one so I can do Kuliseski to um, Martinelli um, is what I should say there Uh, whereas Watkins would need me to sell Alvarez um, and bring in the cheap enabler in 6.5 or below if I was going to um, not take the hit um, and kind of give up on Arsenal and so all of these questions I think can be delegated to future Tom that's worry about that now. Obviously, I've had a look at it, um, but it's it's more kind of one to think about for me. Um, I'll be very, I'm, I'm okay with it being as it is. Um, obviously, I've got some worries about Alvarez, uh, but I don't really want to be making a move this week to sell Alvarez. for because I, I I can't buy um Watkins in one fell swoop. Obviously, I, I I almost definitely would have already done that. Um so it's going to be a compound move to get rid of Alvarez to if to buy Watkins, I obviously can't buy then Archer to, to Watkins. So um one of those where if Alvarez does kind of get benched, then I will take my chances, I think, at the moment. Like if Alwani was fit, then maybe I'd kind of have more interest in making a move, but I can't really see it <laughs> like a hoyland one week punt like, is a great idea on paper but then that leaves me taking a bigger hit the week after so it's yeah. one of those where i kind of look at it and just think you know what no i'm not playing a one-week game i'm playing like a long-term season game and so leave it if any of the archer comes in or i think uh, it's Kabore, i've got a second bench fine, whatever. Um, and the Holland's going to be captain for me this week against Brighton, um, and I think that I'm pretty happy with that. So, yeah, roll, roll, roll. I don't there's anything else to really say for me. And I'm sure it's the same for you. Yeah, exactly.
0: Roll, move on. Um, No, i absolutely fine with my team at the moment. Um, I do have Watkins in situ at the moment. There's only a couple of differences between our our sides. Um, I want two free transfers next week to move to an Arsenal mid, possibly a defender as well. Um, Whether that's Brighton or Arsenal, I'm not sure yet. Um, But yeah, definitely want two free transfers um, in game week 10. Uh, lots of home fixtures this week as well. Like on paper, this looks great, which means it's a guaranteed red arrow and down back to 2 million again. Um, so f- fingers crossed I can avoid that. Um, but yeah, really happy with my side. Harlan captain, Salah Weiss. Um, there are arguments to captain Salah against Everton, but I think with the early kickoff, um, Liverpool usually struggle a little bit with the early kickoff after an international break, I think I've seen. So um, yeah, I, I I back Harland, and obviously in my bold claims, I'm hoping he gets a hat trick. So I might as well uh, back that up with captain him as well. Um, but yeah,
1: role for me as well. Yeah, it's it's not so much about the early kickoff for me. I'm not bothered by that. Like if I've got a captain no, my player really. in the early kickoff, yeah, exactly. I'm same same as you. Like, I'm not bothered. Yeah, but I, I still think that that um, like Brighton, great team, but I think they will give up chances. I mean, I I think it's definitely in the realms of <laughs> the realms of possibility that Brighton beat City. And Deserby's yeah. legend continues. Um, but it's one of those where I look at it and just think, well, they're giving up loads of chances this year. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to be sat here thinking, you know what, I'm going to go against that. I, I mean, fair play. I mean, if you're in the no-hauling brigade, I think probably is the week to, uh, <laughs> you know, ca- Captain Salah again. Um, and Brighton aren't, you know, they're not. Yeah, you know, they're doing all right in terms of um, XG against. Uh, they're doing all right actually, and probably they're around the same level as Luton. And um, but hey, um, yeah, I, I, think, for, I think for us, it's got to be Holland, doesn't it? Right. Well, there we go. Yeah. I think um, if there's one more, um, if there's a big injury international break, and I've got to basically, we've got to redo this pod. They sort. Sally gets injured. <laughs> For Egypt then wow okay it's all over we need to just redo a pod again later on this week but hopefully that's (laughs) all that's it now yeah absolutely
0: so uh yeah thank you everyone so much for listening once again we were who got the assist as always you can find us on x at wgta underscore fpl or at fpl pricey for myself and on Instagram or threads at wgta.fpl. And again, I'm just FPL Pricey on there as well. If you enjoyed the pod, if you could follow us on those social channels, give the pod a five-star rating if you're listening on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you do listen to it. Or of course, if you're tuning in on YouTube and enjoying all the stats we put up today, then it would be really appreciated if you could leave a like, subscribe to the channel, and then obviously you don't miss out on any future content either. So all of these things do really help get the pod out there as well. We really do appreciate the support, so thank you very much in advance.
1: Yeah, thank you, and thanks, Sam. Uh, looking forward to football being back, refreshed and ready for my progress to be halted uh, by uh, everything else going wrong for me. We'll be joined next week by FPL Fran uh, for our first guest slot of the season. We're looking forward to that. Um, we hope you enjoyed the pods. So we hope it was just, you think about Salah and, in general, the return of FPL, and we'll speak to you next week.